You're listening to the North Richland Hills Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to nrhbc.org. Take your Bibles, keep it open to Ephesians 1. Today I want to continue a series that looks at the blessed life by looking at the story of the little letter at the end of your New Testament called the book of Ephesians. You know, America, I love our country as many of you do. In fact, I think despite the events of this past week, we're still one of the greatest nations, if not the greatest nation on the face of the earth today. And we have the world's greatest economy. We have perhaps the world's greatest military. We have some of the most advanced technology. But before we get the big head, we also take home the trophy for being number one in an area that's not to be desired. We are the most wasteful people in the face of the earth. You might call us the trashiest people, if you might. When I say that, we have 4% of the world's population, but we have 12% of the world's garbage. We produce 12%. The average American produces 1,700 pounds of garbage every year. We could be called the trashiest people alive today, if you will. In fact, it goes further. The average American wastes $18,000 a year on products that are non-essential. Those are the experts know. Now, every husband in the room says, I know my wife spends a lot more on non-essential stuff than that. And every wife says about her husband, he spends a lot more than that. And while it is a tragedy that we waste so much, there is one waste that breaks the heart of God. It's not just for America, but for the whole world. You see, if we waste food, we can produce more food. If we waste money, we can make more money. But when we waste our life, you and I only have one life to live, one and one only. And it breaks the heart of God when we waste our lives. This morning, I want to share with you how not to waste your life, how to maximize your life, how to make the most of it, to live for the purpose that God has put you here. And in verse 3 of Ephesians 1, we're just going to spend the morning unpacking that Because to make the most of your life, the Bible calls upon us to first bless God and then to experience the blessing that God has for us. To make the most of our lives, God has called us to bless God and then to experience all the rich blessings that God has given to us that are in Christ Jesus today. If you didn't bring a copy of God's Word, there's a black book in front of you that we're worshiping with us, page 1159. For those of you who are tracking with us at home, welcome. We're glad that you're joining with us today. In verse 3 is the beginning of one long sentence in the original language. The richness of the sentence, the complexity of the sentence is deceptive when it comes to the English versions. In fact, the one that you have just read together by video breaks that one sentence up into five sentences. The richness of it, the complexity of it is way too much. In fact, it is not only a long sentence, it is the longest sentence in all your New Testament. I'll go one step further. It's not only the longest sentence in the New Testament, it's the longest sentence we've discovered in the Greek language itself. Really what you have here from Paul the author in verse 1 we note, he's the author, is a burst of praise. As if you see a great athletic feat, as if you see something on a stage or a platform someplace and your hands just come together in applause instantaneously, reactionary. There becomes a burst of praise beginning with the words of verse 3 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This one long sentence will occupy our time for the remainder of the Sundays and the upcoming days. Look first with me what the Bible says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible calls God blessed, and that word blessed, its original word, it's the word we get the word eulogy from. And if you were to speak a eulogy at someone's funeral, likely where you do it, you'd speak good words of them. And we are to speak good words of God. We're to praise God. That's the first thing here in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father. We're to speak well of him. And the Bible tells us that God is blessed. He alone is blessed of all people. The Bible calls upon us to praise God. We're to bless God because he has blessed us with every conceivable blessing. Really what Paul's doing here, remember he comes from Jewish roots. He's doing something that he would have been taught in Sabbath school. He's doing something that his mom and dad would have taught him. An ancient work called the 18 Benedictions records that the Jewish people would wake up in the morning and have a blessing like the one you're seeing here, have it in the morning, have it in the afternoon, have it in the evening. It was just sort of the way that the Jewish people, the ancient Jewish people would go about their day. So what is very Jewish in verse 3 is this remarkable beginning. Again, put your eyes there where he calls upon us to bless the name of the Lord our God. What's not Jewish is what he does next. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul had seen the risen Christ, and he came to the conviction that Jesus was the Messiah. So let me ask you a personal question as you sit here today. Have you ever blessed God in your life? Have you ever spoken of his praises? Have you ever said, bless the Lord, O my soul? Have you blessed God today? Is that a practice that you go about? as you wake up in the morning and speak his praise. So, Pastor, why would I do that? I'm not all that religious. Well, the first reason you should bless God is the Bible tells us this fact, that God is alone blessed. His synonym is the word blessed, the blessed one. The Bible doesn't say we hope he's blessed or we wish he's blessed. No, the Bible says it is a fact. God is blessed. It is a matter of evidence. And speaking of facts, the only way you'll ever see a blessing is through God. Now, I know that some of you who may not be as religious as others, you may think of a blessing like the religious version of luck. I'm going to be a lucky person. Or maybe if you're a southern girl, you know, you say, bless their heart, and that's your signal if I'm about to talk trash about them. I, I don't know what it looks like for you, but blessed is a source of of a God in heaven who's come and brings his, all of his power to bless you, to strengthen you, to bring favor upon you. And the fact is, again, the Bible says the only source of blessing, search high, search low, is God. Like a power station that brings you power, God brings blessing. Prophet James says in the New Testament, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights. The Bible says God has taken us from the lowest of the low and put us at the highest of the heights. He has created everything out of nothing. And the fact is, his magnificent grace has claimed that which is lost, raised that which is dead, freed that which is enslaved, restored that which is broken, and reconciled 
that which is separated. Friends, search high, search low in all the universe, and the only source of blessing is Almighty God. He is blessed. It's just a fact. In fact, in verse 3, as you'll note those words there, to be blessed be God, you need to be aware that God is self-sufficient. He is all-sufficient. That is, when we bless God, and I'm calling upon you to do that, you don't add anything to God. You'll never find God at the grocery store. You'll never find God running and shopping at Amazon, Target, or Walmart. He's never gone out for anything. He doesn't have anything delivered. His pantry is never low because God is self-sufficient in all way. He doesn't need anything. In verse 3, he's calling upon us to bless the Lord, to praise him so that we not waste our lives. We make the most of our life when we praise him, when we bless him. In fact, it's just been this piece, it's just been this practice down throughout the history. The man Zechariah, if you remember this story, it's a sort of a Christmas story. Zechariah was told that you're going to have a child. Now, that came as surprising news to Zechariah. His wife and he had tried to have children for years, and so when the angel came to Zechariah, he was serving as the high priest of the day inside the Holy of Holies. Zechariah did not believe God. So he said to the angel, I need to see proof. So God said to Zechariah, I'm going to show you, I'm going to teach you a thing or two. You are not going to speak until I say so. You will be mute. And Mrs. Zechariah was the happiest wife for months to come. And what happens when Zechariah's wife, Elizabeth, had what we know as John the Baptist, that baby, what does the Bible say? The Bible says this, the first things out of Zechariah's mouth is he spoke blessing God. His first words weren't, hello, is this on? Is my throat working? No, he blessed God. In fact, in verse 68 of chapter 1 of Luke, blessed be the Lord God of Israel for his visit and redeemed his people. And then another Christmas story, you have the old man Simeon. Do you remember this story? Simeon goes to the temple one day. God had promised him, you will see the child, the Christ child before you die. And somehow, you know, like a Marvel comic book, old Simeon had a spidey sense. He just knew Jesus, the baby, had entered into the temple. And so what does he do? He gathers, the Bible says, he gathers the Christ child in his arms and he blesses God. This is what believers do down through the ages. This is what we practice, we praise. In fact, years later when the Christ child grows up, on Palm Sunday, he makes his way into Jerusalem, and all the people of God on that day said, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed, blessed be the name of the Lord. This is the practice God's people do in good years and bad years, in good days and bad days. We bless the name of the Lord. When Jesus had the five loaves and the two fish, the gospels record, he bowed his head and he said a blessing. When the chief of priests said, are you the son of God? Are you the son of the blessed one? God is blessed. And if you want to be a part of God's people, you will rise up and use your voice to bless God. In fact, when you do that, you don't give God anything. He doesn't need anything, but God calls upon us. The people of God bless God. It's just what we do. So verse three says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So how do I do that? If I'm supposed to do this, what does it look like? How do I do it? Well, the first way we do it, just give you five, five simple ways to bless God. I, first way to do it, I give thanks to God. 
and give thanks to God. And just keeping this piece here of how the old believers would do this, we learn about Abraham. When Abraham was successful in battle against God's enemies in Genesis chapter 14, the Bible says he blessed, he blessed the God of the Most High. And then King David, some 3,000 years ago, the great King David, he wrote a beautiful poem in Psalm 103, and he began it this way, Bless the Lord, O my soul. You know this one? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. He would go on, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forgetting all of his benefits, who forgives all of your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love. Friend, if you want to bless God, then you give thanks to God. That may be before meals, that may be in the morning or the afternoon or the evening. But if you are convinced that God's done very little for you, you will have very little to do with God. But if you approach your life and your day as a gift from God, then you will give thanks to God. It is the demarcation, it's the Mason-Dixon line, if you will, in Romans 1 between those who know God and those who don't know God. Just the simple fact of giving thanks. David says again, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Second way you bless God, you praise this, you might just want to jot this down, it's when you fight against evil. It's when you fight against evil. Verse 6 of Psalm 103, that great poem of David, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. When we fight evil, we're like our Father, we're emulating our Father. See, there is a clear red line in the pages of Scripture between what is right and what is wrong, and that grows from the very heart of God. And we bless God when we stand for what is right, when we have convictions and we have a spine, because when that happens, we align with His justice. God is a just God. Right is right because God is right. Wrong is wrong is because God hates that is wrong. And when you fight evil, when you stand against evil, you make God happy. You make him smile. He sees that. Here's a third way which we bless God. We spread his kingdom. When we use our breath, when we use our gifts to spread his kingdom, not, as we'll see in a moment, not everything is about the kingdom of God in this world. There is a kingdom of God, and not everything bows to the king. And so when we spend our breath and we spend our gifts and we extend the canopy of his kingdom, the tent pegs of his kingdom, that is when we lift our voice up to speak in a Bible study or go and teach children or students, when we gather together for worship, we use our gifts, we use our breath for spreading the kingdom in this zip code and wherever we might find ourselves. God is not blessed with laziness. God forbid that we be a lazy people. This is a time in America right now when if you are called by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, stand up, rise up, speak up, and serve. It's a great place to put an amen if I were listening to this sermon. When men and when women and boys and girls repent of their sin, and when believers communicate the good news of Jesus Christ and the gospel, when we spread his kingdom, we bless God. Here's another way we can bless God, when I do good to his children. As believers, God has called us to do good just about everybody. But the Bible says especially, puts a clear red line that we're to do good to his children. We're to do good to our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. So when I 
see you as sick, I visit you. When I see you as discouraged, I encourage you. Again, when Jesus spoke about that line between those who are his children and those who are not, he said it this way. He said, I will know who are my children when you visit those who are in prison and when you relieve the poverty of those who are impoverished. That's just what believers do. We do good to his children. We're emulating our Father when we do that. When we don't do it, we give excuses. When we're lazy, then we have nothing to do with God at that moment. God loves for his children to do good. and We honor one another. Where the Bible says we're to outdo one another in honor. And that's why as difficult as this past year has been and this year, what we need is a revival of coming back together because we need to outdo one another in honor. We need one another. Here's the fifth and the last. I bless God when I, even I don't feel like it. When I don't feel like it. You know, there may be days when you don't feel like praising God, blessing God. You ever been one of those days? Well, I have. Room full of liars at church. I've been there. Yeah. You know, 2,600 years ago, there was this prophet who even got his, even got his book in the Bible. His name is Habakkuk. And Habakkuk came to this conclusion. He said, and I quote, Though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit of the vine, the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food. If the flock be cut off and there be no herds in the stall, if the bank account has no money and the stock market's going the wrong way, my truck's not working, my wife has left me, just name your country song. Here's what his conclusion is. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. One of the powerful ways you bless God was when you bless him even when you don't feel like it. Even when you say, God, I don't understand where you are. Remember, on the cross, Jesus said, my God, my God, where have you why have you forsaken me? But only moments later, hours later, he would say, into your hands I commit my spirit. Even in faltering, Jesus never, 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 never forgot his faith in the Lord God. This is how we bless God. We fight evil, we do good to others, even when we don't feel like it. God is honored when you praise him, when everything else around you maybe is failing. So let's join together and make this a commitment together as people of God. Let's join together and let God be blessed from the beginning of this sermon to the end of this message. Let's let God be blessed from the beginning of this day to the conclusion of this day when we put our head on the pillow. Let's join together as people of faith and bless God from the beginning of the year 2021 right to the end of the year. Matter of fact, let's go further than that. Let's bless God from this moment until the day I walk into eternity. Let's join together and find our life's purpose when we praise God and bless God, because that should be the aim of life. If I'm not going to waste my life, I'm going to bless God. I'm going to praise Him. But there's a second piece here to Ephesians 1, verse 3. Again, longest sentence in the New Testament, longest sentence we discovered in the Greek language. There's something powerful on the front end, I bless God. But look on the back end. The back end says, who has blessed us? There might be people in the room that say, you know, that first part, I don't get that very much, but I like this second part. I like this a lot. The Bible says not only are we to bless God, but the Bible says this, we are blessed by God. Again, I have only one life, one life. I can waste food. I can waste money. 
I may be able to produce more money and more food, but I cannot produce more time. And if I want the most out of this life, I need to experience God's blessings. And what I want you to see over the next few moments is this. If you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will see what God has done for you. But if you're not a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will see what God wants to do for you. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. Now, who's the us? If you're sitting there watching this, reading this, and this is not just any book. This isn't Hamlet. This isn't Shakespeare. This isn't Marvel comic. I mean, this is the book that purports to be actual truth. And that little word, us, two little letters, U-S, who is us? Most important, am I part of us? Am I part of the people who are getting blessed? Well, it has to do with verse 2. Look back at verse 2, if you will, with me just a moment. Move your eyes from verse 3 up into verse 2, where the Bible says this, grace to you and peace from God our Father. So if you want to be part of the us, you've got to have God as a father. I discovered over the last week or so that Alice Walton is a Fort Worthian. Is that how you say it, a Fort Worthian? She is the ninth richest person in Forbes list. This lady is loaded. 60 billion, I said billion dollars. She's got a lot of money. Good for Mrs. Alice Walton, the heir of Sam Walton, the whole Walmart claim. But you know, it doesn't do me any good that she's loaded. It doesn't mean no good. But see, Alice Walton's not my mother. Alice Walton's not my grandmother. I get none of the Walton money. That's just not my family. If I want to be blessed some of the Walton money, I need the Walton last name, don't I? How do I get into that family? Look carefully at verse 3. He who has blessed us, the Father, God, has got a whole lot more resources than all the Walton clan put together. I want to be a part of this family and inherit these riches more than anyone else. In fact, as I look here, this really does something powerful to us. You see, we often compare ourselves to one another and we feel discouraged. We see somebody else over there making a little more progress and more success and we feel so discouraged. Friend, as a child of God, as a child of God, you don't understand how unbelievably blessed you are, how valuable, how valuable you are, and you don't understand how unbelievably loved you are. Teenagers, listen carefully. As a child of God, you don't know how valuable you are, how incredibly blessed you are, or how incredibly loved you are. In fact, when we compare ourselves to others, it so discourages us. When I think about this, I think of the actor Dennis Quaid. Now, Tracy likes herself some Dennis Quaid. I'm going to get in trouble for telling this. But she's always had this, you know, we've got to watch every Dennis Quaid movie, and then she tries to she tries to camouflage, oh, he reminds me of you, Scott, you know. <laughs> so one night, I'd, I'd had enough. She was, you know, looking at a Dennis Quaid movie like a starry-eyed teenage girl, and I stood in front of the TV and just turned it off, and I said, hey, sweetheart, I want to ask you a serious question. If you took away Dennis's money, you took away his face, you took away his muscles, what would you have? And that's when she said, well, sweetheart, I'd have you. <laughs> See, the truth is, when, when we compare ourselves to others, we oftentimes feel discouraged. We feel defeated. 
But listen again in verse 3. You don't know how incredibly loved you are. You don't understand how incredibly blessed you are, incredibly valuable you are as a child of God. I want to show you, look at this, verse 3, again, the little word us. The Bible says, I am part of the us when I have God as my father. You say, well, everybody's got God as their father. We're all children of God. No. Listen to the words of Jesus. Jesus said in John chapter 1, verse 12, to all who did receive him, Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become sons of God, children of God. Not everybody has God as their father. If you want to be blessed by God, you have to trust in the Son of God. The little word us in verse 3 refers to those who believe in Christ, who trust in Christ, and are united in Christ. So the critical question today is, are you united in Jesus Christ? Are you linked to him? In fact, think back to a moment ago when I mentioned the wealthy Mrs. Alice Walton. Imagine if you were destitute and you marry a millionaire. And legally, with no prenup, her money, his money becomes your money. You didn't work for the money, but all of a sudden you're wealthy by virtue of marriage. That's exactly what happens. Legally, you're united to Christ. When Christ is your Savior and God is your Father, you're legally united. You're tied together as if marriage itself. Romans chapter 6, verse 5 says it this way. Beautiful. What a way to memorize and begin 2021. Look carefully what it says here. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So let's keep that verse up there for just a second because I want you to see the front half, second half. I want you to see first half, second half. Because when I'm united with Christ, when I put my faith in Christ, I take on, he takes on the death, the penalty that I deserve. But watch secondly. On the back half, I get the triumph that he deserves. The resurrection is sort of the Gatorade over the coach's head. It's his triumph. It's his victory. It's his Super Bowl. It's his flag in the ground that says death will not defeat me. That's what Easter is. It's a preview of the victory that's to come. And so what happens is Christ achieved that. And as a follower, when I'm united with him, I'm legally tied in, I'm married to him, his medals go on my chest. His blue ribbons, his trophies come to me. I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. But I get it because he has given it to me. This is what it means to have God as my father. I inherit all that is in Christ. I'm legally his. It gets better. Yes, it gets better. Back in Ephesians 1 verse 3, who has blessed us in Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In fact, I just want you to circle that little word, has. See that little word, has. And the second thing I want you to circle that little word, every. Go ahead and just write in your Bible so the next time you're there, you'll see this. See, what I want you to see in those two little words, has and every, when you have Jesus, you have all that he has, and he has everything. Isn't that a great sentence? I should have, wrote, I should have come up with that. When you have Jesus, you have everything, and he has everything, and that's why you have everything. In fact, the little word has. The Bible does not say God may give you some spiritual blessings. That one day in the future when he feels like it, you may get some spiritual blessings. 
Notice the tense of the verb. He has already given us spiritual blessings. This is an accomplished fact. The moment you give your life to Jesus Christ, you are in Christ. The moment you give your life to Jesus Christ, you are in Christ, and in him you have everything that you will ever need to be all that you ever need to be. The moment you give your life to Jesus Christ, you're in Christ, and in Christ you have everything that you will ever need to be everything that you will ever need to be. Maybe this way is the best way for you to comprehend this. I am who God says I am. Say that with me. I am who God says I am. If you're not a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, what God says of you in the Bible, you are who God says you are. If you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are who God says you are. We can take it a step further. I have what God says I have. I have what God says I have. Put them together. I am who God says I am and I have what God says I have. If you're struggling with your self-esteem, your worth, those are two great sentences to just unpack on a regular basis. To look in the mirror. You may not have the looks of the next guy, you may not have the money of the next girl, you may not have the prestige or the education, you may not have won the genetic lottery to life. But if you're in Jesus Christ, you can look in that mirror and say, I am what God says I am, and I have what God says I have. Those are powerful, truthful statements to fight for your worth. Friend, you, as a child of God, you don't understand how valuable you are, how incredibly loved you are, and how blessed you are. Did you hear about the woman who went into the bank, spoke to the teller, and she said, I would like to open up a joint account. Bank officer said, yes, ma'am. Who would you like to open that account with? That's when the woman said, a millionaire. And wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all like to go to the bank and say, I'd like to join my account with some millionaire? But again, look at back at verse 3. You circle this word has. It didn't say may. It says has. And notice that little word every. It says in Christ with every spiritual blessing. I want to call your attention. The Bible does not say some spiritual blessings. You get some of them. It doesn't say you get some leftovers. The Bible says he has already given us every spiritual blessing. Now, don't be a hater. Don't be a hater today. Don't be hating the fact that it's spiritual blessings and not material blessings. The truth is, some of you in the room, you may want to rewrite verse 3. You may want to rewrite verse 3 with a televangelist, where verse 3 says, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place, in the heavenly places. You may want to write, you've been blessed with every material blessing in earthly places. But see, friend, if you were to trade even one of your spiritual blessings for material blessing, what you've done is you've traded the eternal for the temporary. You've traded something that's going to last forever for something that's going to last but a few decades. When you, trade, when you trade out that which is spiritual blessings for that which is material blessings, you know what material blessings are, right? They can be lifted. They can be left. Or they can be lost. 
Everybody in the room knows that. I've noticed the more stuff I get, the more stuff's got to be fixed, right? Material blessings can be lifted, can be lost, or can be left. You don't want to trade even one of your spiritual blessings for material blessing. You don't want to trade that which is eternal for something that you may enjoy even 60, 70, 80 years. Now, I need money like the next guy. I get it. But let's be clear about what the Bible's saying. There is no promise of health, wealth, prosperity, or success for any of God's children. When we say that, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Hear me carefully, hear me clearly. That is a lie from the pit of hell. And if Jesus were on the earth today, he'd pick up a whip and he'd straight, head straight to the headquarters of any stupid televangelist pastor that says that and clean the temple all over again. We don't want to trade our spiritual blessings for material blessings because spiritual blessings last longer than material blessings and they are better than material blessings. Well, pastor, I don't know about this. I don't know if you're right about this, I think you're just, you've lost your mind. You're a little too religious. Well, okay, I hear you. So what would you rather have? Would you rather have a whole lot of gold or a whole lot of grace? What would you rather have? Would you like to have a whole lot of money or a whole lot of mercy? Somebody said both. I get it, right? Would you rather have an acre full of diamonds or a life full of love? See what I'm saying? These are spiritual blessings and they're powerful. In fact, it reminds me what Paul's saying here in Ephesians 1, 3. It reminds me of a verse that I was encouraged to memorize years ago. And my God shall supply all your needs in Christ Jesus, listen, according to his riches and glory. You think the millionaire's got money. It's nothing compared to his bank account. And so I am who God says I am. You are, young teenage girl. You may not look like what you're supposed to look like in some magazine or what you think some boy wants you to look like. I am who God says I am. I may not have the eloquence or the education or the intelligence of some others, but I have what God says I have. Of him in Christ today, his position is now my position. His privilege is now my privilege. And as a child of God, you don't understand how incredibly blessed you are, how incredibly valuable you are, or how incredibly, unbelievably loved you are. Thanks for listening to the North Richland Hills Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to nrhbc.org.